first, I wanted to uh, just give a little recap of last week. I got to um, speak last week about the waiting, about our times of waiting. I called it For Those Who Wait. And I um, got to share that after 40 years, I had turned 40 um, about a month and a half ago. And Paul proposed to me a couple weeks later. And so I got to share just about the the journey of my waiting and the, the long seasons that the Lord had sustained me through in the waiting. And uh, that seems to have been just a huge theme of my life. And I'm realizing that it doesn't end. That just because there's one thing that comes as a fulfillment of promise, that there's actually just a new season that is beginning, right? That every time there's something that feels like, okay, God has you know, brought me to something that I've been longing and waiting for, that actually it just launches us into a new time of continued longing, continued waiting. And I discussed last week just kind of what might be some of the possible whys that God has us wait, that our waiting seems to be extremely transformational, that for me at least the waiting is what transforms me um, unlike any other thing that I've experienced before. And so I shared about the waiting can build our anticipation, can increase our joy and our gratitude, and that it allows us to see a miracle, that we wait long enough that it becomes basically like, only God could do this, this must be a miracle. And that all along the way that we are transformed in those wilderness times, in the waiting, and so I shared about the story of uh, Abraham and Sarah waiting for 25 years for Isaac and just that continuation of the story of they received Isaac, the promised one, and yet that wasn't the end of the story for them either. And in today's passage in Hebrews here, the Hebrews 11 Hall of Faith, we call it, the, the people all throughout scripture who are the people of faith and hope and longing and fulfillment that they're just one part of the bigger story. And so this Hebrews 11 is kind of like the Cliff's Notes of the whole Old Testament, like person after person. This is who God's grand story was being written through, one character at a time. And Abraham and Sarah were among them, along with many others. And the story, again, just doesn't end with one thing being fulfilled. Isaac came, and but the story was still not over. So when we get to these times of you know, seeing a promise fulfilled, that actually that's an invitation into a new journey and into something that will be another season of maybe longing and waiting and hoping because we are a people who are always living in the in-between. We're a people as the people of God and as humans who will always be in seasons of perpetual longing and waiting and future-oriented what's next and, okay, trusting God for the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, that there's never truly an arrival. As much as we love our stories to end with a nice little bow and roll the credits when the guy proposes or when the wedding, no, that actually is just another new beginning, right? We are a people who live in the now and not yet who live in this constant state of, yes, God is good to us now in whatever season of waiting or fulfillment that we're in, and the both and of, and we are people who live in the not yet, in the longing, in the waiting, in the trusting, in the hoping for what is still to come. 
We see promises fulfilled, and we wait for others. And there's always the holding of both. We live in these middle places, in the betwixt and between. I love that phrase. Never fully arriving, because this world is not our home. We are made with eternity in our hearts, where there isn't ultimately a satisfaction. No matter how good things come, no matter when we get rings on fingers or new jobs or whatever it is, we live in a state of not ever being fully satisfied. We live in sometimes a bit of disappointment and longing and expectation all the time. And this is a good thing. This is something that God has for us. And so in the passages that we read here, um, Hebrews 11, 13, yeah, thank you, if you would click. <laughs> um, I can't do two things at once, so. Um, but we see here that there were people, after this long list in Hebrews 11, we see that there were people, well, they still lived by faith when they died, and some did not receive the things that were promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on the earth. Sometimes these verses are hard to swallow. We love the stories where it's like, and then everything came to fulfillment. But here and throughout the rest of Hebrews 11, we see that there were others, there were some who did not receive the things that were promised in, in their fullest way. They received some of it as part of a bigger story. And they were meant to live in this constant in-between, in the now and not yet. And we know that as we sometimes see our waiting for certain things come to an end, that that also means there might be a different new kind of pain or expectation of waiting and hoping, and maybe even without the assurance of something being fulfilled in the way we imagine it to be or that we pray it to be. Um, and that just means we are always going to be longing for this better home, this better place where there is ultimate freedom, ultimate sustaining with God, ultimate satisfaction with God. And then in this second portion, 32 to 40 here, we see that there were some who gained what was promised. And then right in, you know, a few verses later, some who were able to receive back their dead, raised to life again. And then it says in the same verse, verse 35, after listing all these quenching the fury of flames and those who were, whose weakness was turned to strength, this list of all the heroic things that God had done. Then in verse 35, not even a new, a start to a new verse, in the same exact verse, it says, there were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some gained through the actual promises of God being fulfilled in the ways that were just beyond their imaginations, and some gained through their suffering. Some were gaining an even better resurrection than an earthly one, believe it or not. And it was gain. So these here are all stories that are part of one bigger story. That's how it makes sense, is that it's one giant story where the ultimate fulfillment and destination is God, as all the little parts along the way come together. And it will always be a both-and story. It will always be that top half of God doing amazing, miraculous things, and that bottom half of there will be continued pain, suffering. We just live in a broken, hard world. 
and we will gain through fulfillment and we will gain through sometimes suffering. So if the message last week that I gave was kind of on like, why does God have us wait? The exploring some of the whys of the waiting, then today would be the hows. How do we wait well in this in-between? How do we live in this murky middle in-between place? And I thought that instead of myself sharing more principles on that, that I would actually ask Paul to come and share some of what he has been experiencing in the waiting, in the in-between. And so come take it away. And I would love for you to just hear some of his journey too, um, as we have been people of the waiting, as many of you. Yeah, it's it's good to be here. Um, just first of all, just thank you uh, for you, many of you I've met. I've kind of been coming in and out uh, the last couple weeks or last couple months, really, um, and just really gained a great appreciation for this community, um, this community of hope, uh, hope Midtown specifically, and just your heart, your heart for people, your heart for your community, your city that you live in, um, and how you want to live out your faith. And that it's kind of a safe space to come with, hey, I don't have it all together. I don't have all the right answers. There's not some religiosity, some high expectation. Maybe the expectation is just to show up and to be yourself and to journey together and to bring our questions. And, and that's, I think, what the world is asking us as a community of believers, as, as a community of faith, to, to be, um, to make it real. I just got a received a text from a guy who, who just said, I appreciate how you integrate, um, this idea of integrating life and faith. And if it's really being authentic, those two things, our faith needs to be strong enough that can bring those two things together. And I appreciate that in the midst of hope. Um, so we're talking about this in between today, and uh, this has been a huge theme in my own life. Uh, just this, this now, this not yet. Uh, there's a guy named Henry Nowen, who he's he's a kind of an older writer, and he's a con contemplative, so a big thinker, and was quoting Ecclesiastes. And he says, you might have heard this where there's actually an old song uh, that was written about this, a time for everything. And he talks about a time for mourning and a time for dancing. And oftentimes we don't, under, we don't realize that those are actually the same times. That in one hand we can be dancing and in the other hand we can be mourning. That we can live in this in-between. There's in one hand we can have hope and in the other hand we can carry anguish. Um, that we can be here in our life today and at the same time be hoping and crying out for something better in the future. That this in-between, it may actually happen at the same time. And, and that's the time we find ourselves in. And I love this part of the Hebrews passage because it gives us examples of people. And I think it's less about the individual examples. And I think what the writer of Hebrews is really saying is, hey, this is all of us. All of us live at this in-between. From the, from the beginning of the story through to common day and to names that we know and names we don't know. This common struggle of the in-between. And as I think about this in-between or waiting, um, oftentimes I can think about it as a small segment of my life. Like I like to think about 
waiting as I don't like waiting. I don't like the in-between. I hate traffic. Uh, I lived in Bangkok. I lived in Manila. Um, right now I'm in Colorado, which traffic isn't too boring. I've actually just moved to Columbus um, and was in Colorado. Columbus, it's not bad traffic, but I hate waiting. I hate waiting in lines. And, but in my mind, I try to make waiting kind of a small part of my life. And as I step back and I actually think about it, really waiting is so much of my whole life. That we are always, as Sarah was saying, living in this in between. When we, get, when we arrive at some point, oftentimes we end with, oh wait, but there's more. Oh wait, there's this. And so this, first of all, we, I think we learn from this Hebrews passage is that waiting, being the in-between, is a common experience. And it's not something that we can just avoid or get around or push through. Um, it's actually the life we're living in, this in-between. And so how we do it, it matters. And that's what I want to share, three invitations of how, what to do in this in-between. The second thing that we hear from this Hebrews passage, which might be a little depressing, but I think it is actually encouraging, is it is really tough. Um, the, the stories that we see uncovered in this Hebrews passage is stories of people struggling with real-life things. Uh, questions of family, questions of issues of infertility, of hoping, of longing, of waiting, of war, of injustice. And how do I live in this state of, that's just really tough? And oftentimes our faith and our reality don't line up. What I mean by that is that we've, we've categorized our faith in this holy other world experience and we live the rest of our life in this difficulty, in this in-between, in real life. And we don't actually do the work. And what the writer of Hebrews is doing is he's bringing these two elements together. Um, he's bringing together the, the real life aspect of our faith. And so I want to invite us into, into this. But as I was starting my own journey, and as I think about this, I want to uh, finish the intro here with, with a quote from uh, uh, philosopher Mike Tyson. And he says, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. And that, that's the reality, right? Like when we're going into this time of waiting and in life, we all have a plan. Um, and certain things in life just punch us in the face and we're lost. There's confusion, there's disappointment. I think in waiting, oftentimes we dis get disappointed once. Like, okay, we get disappointed again, we get disappointed again, we get disappointed again. And maybe that's the most difficult part of waiting, of this in-between, is the ongoing feeling of being disappointed. Um, and we're disappointed with ourselves, we're disappointed with our context, we're disappointed with our timeline. So what do we do? Um, so it's messy. We, life doesn't always come as easily as in line as maybe we thought or our parents thought of us or our family members expected. Uh, we get punched in the face, and now what do we do? And so that's what I want to do here is, is talk three quick points of now what do we do? What do we do when we've been punched in the face and we're in this in-between? And the first one here is, is from, the, from David. Uh, David taught me this lesson, the uh, King David. Um, who is actually mentioned in this passage. And David writes his, um, similar to what Sarah does, writes 
the expression, the, the life that they're living in poetry. And so we see this in the Psalms. And David gives us a lot of permission um, to bring all of ourselves to him. And so the invitation here, if you go to the next slide, is to cry out to him, to cry out to God. And if you go in, in Psalms, he says this. So this is one of my favorite passages, Psalms 18, 6. He says, in my distress, I called to the Lord. Now, let me just pause there. And that's what my Christian faith has, had taught me. Um, I remember I, had, I had, was going through a really difficult season in my life and ended up sitting a weekend uh, kind of intensive with a counselor and being at the end of myself. And not really sure, disappointment after disappointment, after unknown, not knowing what to do, and everything that I knew how to do wasn't working anymore, and sitting there, and I started reading this, and I actually got angry after I read this first line. In my distress, I called to the Lord, because I knew how to call to the Lord. Well, calling to the Lord is, hey, God, will you do this and this and this and this? Here's my list of prayer requests. And that's what... Oftentimes, when we approach God, we approach him in this way. And the second part, David turns a little bit. And he says, he gives us, he says, I didn't just call out. He says, I cried to my God for help. And then he says, from his holy temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. See, what David is inviting or giving us permission to do is to bring all of ourselves, all of our disappointments, all of our fears, all of our anxieties, all of our confusion before God in the truest sense, in our truest self before him. There isn't this come before me when you have it all together. Don't just come before me when you have your list and as if this is a transactional experience. David comes before God in crazy ways, in, in ways that we might say, that doesn't seem religious. That doesn't seem right. I mean, in one passage, he says, God, wake up. Like, literally, he says, wake up. It's like you're drunk and you're hungover. Will you wake up? It seems like we shouldn't approach God. At least that was my experience growing up. I shouldn't approach God that way. But David is saying, is giving us permission to... Maybe God's just inviting us with all of our confusion, all of our stuff to cry out. And I remember that morning walking from the coffee shop back to the counselor where I said, okay, this is it. I'm going to cry out. And it wasn't about me being more fervent in my prayers or being more loud. It was about me bringing all of myself to God because he can handle it and he's safe. And he wants, at the end of the day, in this messy middle, for us to bring both our joy and our anguish, both our hope and our disappointments, both our fear and our regrets, all of it, and to cry out. And I think that's, he wants to feel, he wants to know us. He doesn't want to just have us follow him. He's inviting us into a relationship. And so in this in-between, that's the first point of what he is. And maybe if there's one point that you really grab onto today that maybe you've never done, it's this first one. So when you get to a point where you're saying, I don't know what to do, know that it's safe and that David gives us words. And he's, he's laid the foundation with words that we may never feel bold enough 
to use before God. Uh, he does, and, and God hears him. He heard his cry. The rest of that 18 is fascinating scripture because it says God's response was he came. Like it, 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 the descriptor there is amazing. It talks about him coming on thunder and lightning and enraged. And he comes because David was, there was an injustice done to David. That's the reality. And then God says he swept him up and he took him and he brought him to an open place of delight. See, it was when David came with all of himself that God saw him and he empathized and he felt him. Um, and so he invites us, God invites us into that, to be known by him and to bring all of ourselves. The second person, uh, the second point, so not only crying out to God, but the second lesson that, I have, that, I, that I've learned um, is actually from a guy named Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet. Uh, he's one of those prophets, so and the prophets. Uh, one of the prophets that was mentioned in the, the, the passage, but he wrote a, a really long book, um, and it's a great one. It's a pretty depressing book if, in Scripture if you really want to feel depressed. Uh, read all but one chapter, because um, there's one like really good chapter in the middle of it, uh, 31. This is actually not from one of those really good chapters, but this is from a... From, but, uh, Jeremiah lived in this in between. He, there, were a, there was a whole bunch of injustice going on. There was confusion. There, there was politics and religious corruption at the same time, and people weren't doing everything. We, uh, some people call him the weeping prophet because he just cried a lot, right? I mean, he was, and there were crazy things that Jeremiah did and had God had him do. And here's a passage that that he says here. And he's talking about this in-between time. Um, well, the point is, we'll go back to the point. Let me give you the point here. Here's the point. What Jeremiah teaches us is to position ourselves by him. So oftentimes, in, if, if you're like me, um, or if you're any way around this, you, when you're waiting, you got what your goal, you go into like planning mode. Have you ever done this where you get into like a planning mode? It's like, okay, I can fix this problem. And I work the problem. What's the problem? How do I speed up waiting? Right? So you're going through traffic. What's the quicker? I hit, you know, re-hit a new route. I try to figure that out. If there's a problem, okay, what do I need to do to get through this waiting? And we can get so focused on what we need to do. But until we realize that it's not about doing more. It's about actually going through it. And so what do I need to do? And Jeremiah says, in this messy middle, in this in-between, the most important work that we have to do or that we're invited in is to position ourselves by him. Um, and so in, in the next, next, here it is, Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. He says, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by water, that sends out its roots, its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought, and it never fails to bear, to bear fruit. A lot of stuff in here. Um, but the most important is this visualization of imagine a stream, a tree in the desert, in a time of drought, and bearing fruit with green leaves. And we go through these times, and they're not just seasons of drought. And I love that it says here, it's not just a season, it's not just a day, it's not just an hour. It's a year. There are times that our waiting is long. 
And how do we get through that? It's by positioning ourselves by the stream. Because the promise of that is that he will sustain us. That when we position ourselves by him, and we, instead of so focused on working the problem or getting to what's next, something crazy happens when we position ourselves by him is he's the one who sustains us. He's the one who provides sustenance, grace, and mercy. And the, in this picture, the, the leaves and the fruit. When everything else around us is chaos, when there's confusion around us in our environment, we find strength because of where we're positioned, by the stream. And in this picture, the stream is him, our God. And so that's the second. So will we position ourselves? That's the second invitation. Where will we position ourselves, not just how do we get through it? And the third, the third point here, lesson I learned, I figured I needed to pull one out. Sarah talked about Sarah last week, so I should talk about Paul, <laughs> since my name's Paul this week. So we're going to jump to Paul. I'm kind of going out of the, the whole of Hebrews 11. He, Paul was, would have been a contemporary of the writers of Hebrew, and so we're going on a, on a limb here. But Paul knew a lot about this in-between. He knew, I mean, he could have been listed in those, those ones that were tortured, that were thrown in prison, um, that had all of this experience. I mean, his life, his story, if you don't know it, take a look at it. It's crazy uh, what he's gone through or what he went through. And he's talking about this in-between statement, and, and he draws it down to uh, a prayer in Ephesians. And let me read that to you here. I'm going to see if I can pull it up. In Ephesians. And he says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to, and he doesn't, notice here, he doesn't say to get it all right, to figure out how to move through, or to get the right plan. He says to grasp. So the invitation, or to grasp, how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work in us, to him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So you might have seen the earlier slide, but the point that Paul was saying is don't miss the wonder in it. We can get so caught up in this waiting that we miss what's right out in front of us. That there's a gift that God has for us in this moment. It's not just about the destination. It's not just about getting the next degree, the next promotion, the, the full family all the issues resolved. It's not just about that. That's in process. But that God is, or what Paul is saying here, he says, don't miss the gift of his love and those moments of that. And I don't know if it's so easy if you're like me, but it's so easy to lower our head when we're in the waiting and just push through, to be so focused on what do I need to do? How do I get through this issue? 
Those issues are important, don't get me wrong. It's not like we just live off in a different world. But what he's also saying is, don't miss the wonder that's right around you. Don't miss the people that are the community that you're in. The, don't miss the, the creation around you, the, the, the moments of wonder. And really those moments of wonder are really God's invitation of him showing us his love. And to Paul, that was his prayer. In those waiting times, will you be able to grasp his love? And so when we think about what do we do in this waiting, first know that it's okay to cry out. I needed to know that. I needed to have the words of David to be given permission to cry out. And as we bring all of ourselves to him, we realize, whoa, maybe for the first time, I feel fully seen and heard by him. And he responds. And that's a different type of a faith. That's a different type of a life um, that we have. And we're invited to position ourselves by him. To say that our first work that we do is to abide, to be positioned in a place that's by the river. In the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the disappointments, in the midst of the confusion, our first work is to do that. And then to lift our eyes. To say, what's this wonder? Why not miss it? Why not miss the love of the Father, the love that Christ has for us in today, in the now? Because he is wanting to show it, and he is showing it to us. So maybe we need to see with different eyes and to look with our heart and to appreciate all that he has around us. And so, yeah, so three lessons from a fellow in-betweener. Uh, still learning, still hard days, still a lot of confusion uh, at different times. But what God has for us, he is the God of the in-between, too. And so I'm going to ask Sarah to come back up and, and finish this up. But just thank you for allowing me to share. And thank you for yeah being so hospitable to me in this community. So. And Justice, you can come up, because we wanted to give a chance today to just have some response, you know, before we leave this place, to just allow God to, you know, meet with us maybe in a personal way. So Justice will um, conclude with another song, and we can allow this to be a time where we all hear from the Lord again. And so a word that was coming to my mind, maybe this is for one of you, but to be present, to be present right now to right where you are instead of the what's in front, what's, what's even where I've come from, but to be fully present, fully right here, right now, and to let that be where God meets us eye to eye. And also to just say today, God is faithful. Today, God is faithful. Not he will be faithful when I da, da, da. He, I will be able to say God is faithful because he da, 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 but that God is faithful. God is faithful right now. Be present to how God is faithful right now.